Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. We, uh, I wanted to start with saying we have quite a few guests with us, and we are thankful to have you here. Uh, we are, uh, I, I tell you, there, there's not much more exciting than gathering together with God's people. And about the only thing that I can add to that is when you get to join God's people that you don't quite know yet. Like there's, there's just the potential of new relationships and new family and, and getting to know people better. And that's always a good thing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just thankful you're here. I'm thankful uh, for our family that is here. I have talked about a concept, kind of hit or miss, quite a bit over the past several uh, months, really. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine from uh, the Kansas uh, City area a couple of months ago. We were talking about some things that we're both involved in, and he was giving me some advice because he's been involved in it much longer than I have on how to uh, do a good job and, and take, make good decisions regarding this particular organization that we're, we're both involved in. And he made this point to me that you need to know what your North Star is. And y'all, y'all have heard me mention that. I think I have used it as an illustration in a sermon recently. I think I wrote a bulletin article about it recently. But get ready, here comes the whole sermon. Because I, I really want to talk about this. It is such a helpful guiding light, pun intended, for us as we think about what it means to to make good decisions and what it means to live a life that is directed. And I think the reason this probably hits me a little, maybe a little more than you, is that my wife and I have joked for years that I have ADHD. And to be honest, well, I, I looked up the definition just just for the sake of fun, uh, it is a chronic condition including attention difficulty, hyperactivity, and impulsiveness. ADHD often begins in childhood and can persist into adulthood. It may contribute to low self-esteem, troubled relationships, and difficulty at school and work. That's me, folks, right there. That's, uh, that, that, that really is where I'm at. My, ch- my, my parents did not call it ADHD. They called it needing a whooping. And, uh, uh, that, but that, that is, that, that's, that's who I am. I mean, I, I struggle to focus on anything very long. And my wife has joked for years about how I am great at starting things. And she leaves off the rest of the compliment. And, and I, I, I tell you, the idea of having a way to focus and guide your steps and your decisions, a way to truly know this is my next step, that's incredibly useful and appealing to me. Because it is not something that, that I have often allowed myself to truly focus in on things and focus in on where I should be going next. The reason my friend called it the North Star, as you probably know, is that the North Star, that, that we, the one we call the North Star, 
uh, is it doesn't really move. It does. And actually, about three or 4,000 years ago, they had a different North Star that's slightly to the, to the side of our current North Star. About every several thousand years, it will change because they do slightly move. But like here is a time-lapse picture of the sky of a camera pointing to the north. What you see is a lot of stars moving, but right there in the middle of that circle is one star that stays in place. The North Star. It's the one that doesn't move. And we have realized that through the centuries. We realize there is a, the way that the earth moves and the way our universe functions, there is that one spot that stays still. And it allows us to make our decision from it. And so when you look at the North Star through history, the way those who are navigating, uh, whether they be on a ship or whether they be on a long trek, they could look at that North Star and knowing what they knew about their, their path, knowing what they knew about their journey, they would be able to figure out mathematically somehow beyond my ability, because I have ADHD and I didn't pay attention. So beyond my ability, they could figure out where they were. And they could figure out whether they were going in the right direction or not. And they could figure out how long it was going to take them from where they were uh, if they walked a certain amount every day or they traveled on the sea a certain amount every day, how long it would take them to get from where they were to where they wanted to be, what their destination was. We all need a North Star. Because figuratively speaking, we need something that will show us where we're at, who we are right now. Be able to look in the mirror and see ourselves clearly as it talks about in James chapter 1. Are we able to truly look at who we are and where we're at and make an honest assessment of whether we are doing well or whether we are doing poorly? Or maybe we're doing well in some areas and poorly in other areas, and how do we know the difference? How do we know whether we're truly being who God has de destined us to be? Unless we can see where we, uh, who we really are. And it can help us to see where to go from here. It can help us to know what our next step is. What do we need to be working on? How do we need to be developing in some way? And it can allow us to chart our course from where we are to where we know we ultimately want to be. I, I like to think of that in terms of mastery. How do I become from where I am right now, deficient in a particular area, how do I get from here and take the necessary steps that lead me from right now to mastery, to who I know I should be, to having the skill or the character that I know is possible if I just follow the right steps? Well, big picture, we, we kind of all have the same North Star. I mean, on a big picture basis, Jesus is our North Star. Chris began our worship this morning with, with that idea that we're focusing on for the year, that it's all about him. And ultimately, that, that's just going to be the answer. I, children get it honestly. When you teach them in Bible classes and you say, who built the ark? And they go, Jesus. I mean, they get that honestly. 
Because ultimately, Jesus is the right answer. He's always the right answer. And so that is our North Star. That is the direction we should be looking all the time. We are sinners. I love the story in Isaiah where Isaiah is called by God. He has this great vision of a temple and that, that the, 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 the train of the robe fills the entire temple and you've got seraphim that are flying next to the throne of God and they are described in such fantastic terms, shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. I love that Isaiah's immediate reaction is not to bow and worship, but to bow and confess. Because when Jesus, when God is the focal point on, at which you look, you are aware of how deficient you are. When you look at something perfect, and then you look at something imperfect, it is so easy to notice the difference. I used to, to imagine myself quite the artist with a pencil. I was never the artist with a pencil, by the way. This, this is back when I was you know, living in fantasy world at eight years old and I'm drawing Ninja Turtles. And man, I could make their muscles ginormous until I looked at an actual picture of a Ninja Turtle and I realized they just look grotesque. Like they, it, there's, there's not a, a, no comparison really. When you see real art and you compare my little amateuristic attempts, nobody's getting the two confused. And it's the same with us and God. When we see God in all of his glory, when we see Jesus in all of his perfection, our immediate response is, we are sinners. Listen to what Isaiah says. Verse 5, woe. Woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Woe is me. And in case you think that is something that only happens when you come face to face with God in the throne room of heaven, look over in Luke chapter 5 and verse 8. Luke chapter 5 and verse 8. Here you've got the story of Jesus coming to the disciples as they're out on the boat fishing. And he says, Simon, go, go out and cast your nets. And Simon says, you know what? No, we've been doing this all night and we've not called anything. But okay, if you say to do it, we'll go do it. And they do. And they catch a great number of fish, it says. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. We've recently started watching The Chosen. I know many of you have watched that. And so we're only a few episodes in. But they kind of give this backstory to Simon Peter that he is somewhat of a... He, 
He's a traitor to his own people, and he's done some bad things, and he's made some bad deals and gambled away his money, and, and he is in just kind of in, in dire straits, and it's forced him to do some desperate thing. And when he comes to Jesus, he falls down at his knees, and he says, I am a sinful man. But I find it interesting that the, the producers and the writers of The Chosen had to give a sinful backstory to Peter to make that make sense to us. Because whether he was a traitor to his people or not, and whether he had gambled away his money or not, he could fall at the knees of Jesus and say, whoa, I am a sinful man. And so can we. When we truly recognize his perfection, God's holiness, the power that God and his son and his spirit have, we better fall on our knees recognizing that we are sinners. And we have this job that we've been given through the redemption of Jesus that we are to start working toward sinlessness. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. says in verse 22, he did not commit sin, nor is any deceit found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That, that's our Savior. That's our Lord. That's the one that we follow. You look over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. John tells us, my little children, I'm writing these things to you about God's forgiveness, about God's willingness to forgive us even though we are sinners. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Our goal as Christians, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, is not just to recognize our deficiencies, but for it to cause us to desire to be better, to cause us to desire to change, to cause us to want more, and to want to be more like him. And ultimately what you have, if you turn back one book to 2 Peter chapter 1, we've got a pathway. We've got a direction. That's what the North Star is supposed to do. Not just tell you where you are, not just tell you where you should get to, but to show you how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And it says over 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. That's our path. That, that's how to get from where you are to where you want to be. None of that has been startling to a single one of us. We know those things. Now I will say, if you're like me, you know them, but you don't always do them. You know where the North Star is, but you're not always looking at it. You might have a recognition of where you're currently at, but it's easier to ignore that and focus on something else for a while. You might know this is what I need to be doing and this is how I need to be improving and this is what I need to put aside and this is what I need to be developing and this is how I should grow, but it's easier to sit on the couch and watch TV for a little while and just kind of zone out and forget all of that? 
It's, it's easier to serve me than it is to walk toward him. And I think that's, that's the way we handle this sometime. So I want to share with you some other things that the North Star does for us. Because I think maybe they can help us get over that, that disconnect between what we know we should be and what we, what we are content being. Here are some other benefits. First of all, the North Star gives us the ability to focus on what really matters, what truly matters. It, it allows us to, to actually do the things that are going to make a difference, do the, go the direction that's actually going to get us there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now we could look at a dozen or more other passages that say that very same principle. I don't think we need to. That's blunt. Focus on the things that actually matter. But we don't. I listen to a lot of, of classes and TED Talks and videos that are written by authors on how to write good books. Doesn't mean I write good books, but it, it, it does mean I, 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 I'm at least familiar with the concepts on how to get there. One of the things that, that they'll all say is that you need a central story. You need to have point A to point Z that you're trying to accomplish, that the main story, it's what the, the protagonist is doing, maybe to defeat the antagonist or to, to get around the schemes of the enemy, but they have to have a, an objective. They need to go from where they are to where they need to be. That's our North Star story. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But what they'll say is in good literature, you also have side story A, side story B, side story C, side story D, almost said four, and that would have been a, absolutely not the right way to build that pattern. Uh, you know, you've got all of these side stories, and, and, and they, kind of, they kind of break the attention away. If you boil most stories down to their very central story, this 200,000-word book becomes 20,000 words. That's it, real short. But you got all these side stories. Here's the problem. You and me, when it comes to our story, we're supposed to be focusing on the central story. Getting from where we are to heaven. Getting from where we are into God's presence. Getting from where we are to our eternal destiny. That's the only story that really matters. But you know what we like to focus on instead? Side story A, B, C, D. We like to focus on all the peripheral, all the extra things. We like, to, we like to go these other directions and then ignore the central story that actually matters. Brothers and sisters, we gotta, we gotta stop doing that. We gotta put our eyes back on just following Jesus just seeking the things that are above, just pursuing heaven, keeping our eyes on Jesus, as we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Another benefit is that it helps us to eliminate the fluff. 
First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. We're, we're very familiar with all these verses we're talking about this morning. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possession, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world with its lust and passing away, the one who does the will of God remains forever. In that conversation I had with my friend, the reason he actually started talking about this North Star concept is because he was saying that the way he runs his particular organization, there are a hundred good things they could be doing. But honestly, if they're really focusing on what matters, there's probably only three that they need to do. Just three. And the temptation is always to go, ooh, this is a cool idea, and to bring that in. But it ends up distracting from and pulling them away from what their actual purpose is. We do that in our lives, don't we? We get so excited about something shiny and new. We get excited about the, the possibilities of this great thing over here. Not realizing that this great thing over here is going to distract us and pull us away from the one thing that matters. We've got to eliminate the fluff. The, the stuff that really doesn't contribute to what we're really supposed to be thinking on. It helps us become more focused on the goal than on the trip. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Could you imagine being on a bike and, and you're biking through the woods and you know, just kind of a trail, you know, easy trail biking and you're, 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 hiking, you're biking through the woods and you say, you know, that's beautiful. I'm going to stop and I'm going to, I'm going to you know, put my kickstand down. I'm going to go back and look at that really beautiful flower or that interesting stump or whatever it is that caught your attention. That's no big deal to do that. What if you're in a race? What if you have a goal in mind? You've got an end point. You're trying to cross a line at the end of the race. Do you stop and look at an interesting stump when you're in a race? No. The problem is we spend a lot of time meandering instead of racing. Do you know what the Bible describes our lives as? It's a race. We got a goal. There, there's, there's the end in front of us and we're supposed to be racing. not meandering. Another thing that a North Star teaches us is that it helps us to identify when we get off track. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, 
6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. You see that? Instead of being distracted by the difficulties of life, instead of being distracted when things aren't working out the way they should, instead of being distracted even by our own mistake, hand it over to him and stay on track. That's what we're supposed to do. Could you imagine in ancient times if the navigator of a, a massive vessel that's trying to get from point A to, to point Z keeps taking them off course because, well, you know, there's this beautiful scenery over here. Or if we, if we point to the east in the morning, we'll get to see the sunrise. And if we, we point to the west in the evening, we'll get to see the sunset. And won't that be fun to do that every day? Why, why would anybody do that? Why would we constantly sidetrack ourselves and take missteps and, and get off course over and over and over again? We wouldn't if we're trying to serve the captain and do things his way. Back to 2 Peter chapter 1, the next several verses. Verse, we'll start in verse 8 because I didn't read it earlier. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. You know, if you'll stay on track, if you'll continue moving forward, if you'll continue going down the path, racing toward the goal, doing what you're supposed to do, keeping your eyes on the North Star, on your purpose, on your mission, on what you're supposed to be doing, if you'll do that, then your entrance is guaranteed. That's what it says there. You don't have to worry. I preached last week about having confidence in our destiny, having confidence in heaven. You want to know how to have confidence? Stay on track. That's how. Stay on track. Do what God has asked you to do. And ultimately, the greatest benefit is that you know at the end you get to disembark and be where you're supposed to be. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Without wavering. In my ADHD mind, wavering is about the best description of what you could call my mental state, generally speaking. I mean, it is back and forth all over the place. I, I will have 15 different projects running. I have like 12 trays on my desk that all have a different project in them when I actually put things away, which is not normal. Normally, they're all strewn all over my desktop. And basically, whatever, you know, wherever I'm looking is the project I'm thinking about. That, that's kind of how my brain goes, generally speaking. And so I'll do a minute here, a minute there, two minutes here. I'll piddle here. I'll look at this. I'll, I'll, I'll do something here. And you know what never gets done? Any of them. Any of them. Because I've 
spent so little time focusing in any one direction. You know, that's fine on a desktop and when it comes to writing projects or podcasts or other little things that we do. That's not fine when it comes to our relationship with God. It's not okay. God demands unwavering focus. And brothers and sisters, we sell him short when we're not willing to give it. We need to be willing to let him be our North Star and to focus and to pursue and to be what he has called us to be and to make no excuses when we mess up, but to just the next time do better. To come to him with the, with the words, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, our unclean thoughts, our unclean words, our unclean action. I am a man who sins and messes up. And you are a God who forgives and redeems. And so I need you. Oh, I need you. That needs to be our, our thoughts, our, our words, our, our commitment. And then we need to pursue him in a race. If you're not a child of God, I invite you to come express that very confession. Express your unworthiness so that he can make you clean and make you one of his children so that you can be worthy. If you need to be baptized into Christ and make that commitment, we encourage you to come forward and let us know as we stand and sing this song. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation, or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.